And welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beans Talk. Greetings and salutations. There's a great energy in the gym. Here we are, JP Beans, back with you on this fine Wednesday evening. Let's go. Fresh off of viewing episode four of Moon Knight with one another. Exciting, exciting times that we're living in. As you just pointed out, Moon Knight's going to wrap up, and we're going to transition straight with the conclusion of Moon Knight on May 4th into Doctor Strange on May 6th. The time's almost perfect. That is synergy. That is us soaking in Marvelocity. And then my guess is two weeks after that, Miss Marvel starts. Not that you really are worried about that. but not watching it. Won't be watching. <laughs> I probably won't watch until that series is completely over. Okay. Just to see... Uh, sure, just kind of power through it a little bit. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's the plan. Here's a question for you. All right. Well, here's hopefully an answer. You bet. So, out of all of the pantheons of ancient mm. gods, right? Moon Knight, the, the whole impetus for this question is Moon Knight is digging into the Egyptian pantheon. Thor, Loki, obviously come from the Norse mythology or pantheon. What pantheon of God would you choose to be from? Hands down, the Dutch. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if they Do have. Do the Dutch have gods? I don't think so. No, like, uh, Greek. Okay, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Okay, I grew up on the Percy Jackson series. Hmm. Never cracked open a Percy Jackson book. Just not in my. Uh, Never struck my stage of life. I just want right? to the timing was just yes. not there. I just want to say this: if those movies would have been done correctly, mm-hmm. they would have given Harry Potter a run for its money. Okay, I want to say that right now. Okay, okay, that's how elite of a book series this is. When that's fair. When your eldest <sighs> is ready to read higher books, Percy Jackson, that's where you need to go. Wow. It is amazing. Wow. Okay. okay. All right. PJ. PJ. Yes. But anywho, love it. So Greek, Greek mythology. Oh, for sure. They're okay. so cool. That whole mytho- mythos is, is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. The Egyptians are mm-hmm. weird. I'm learning more and more. The Egyptians are weird. Whatever they came up with, yeah, that's so convoluted. A, that'd be a really dark horse pick if someone said, oh, I'm all in on the Egyptian uh, pantheon. That, uh, I think, would reveal right then and there all you need to know about that person. Like, you're a bit of a... You're an you're someone, you're someone that comes out of left field. Right, you're hard to pin down. You're like, difficult to anticipate. Which, kudos to you, I guess. But that's uh, that's a bit of a challenge. Well, think about this: Con- the ones that we've seen, the ones that we've seen. Yeah, Conchu, dead bird. <laughs> okay, huge beak. Weird, weird starting point. Okay? Right, right. We just saw a hippo lady. Yep. And if we'll get into I'm that. correct, your wife said had like. Lion arms mm-hmm. and crocodile feet. That's the common theme, right, with these Egyptian gods, is that it's not just a animal. It is a amalgamation of multiple species, Well, which is not the same as crocodile Loki, so a little hard to, let's, let's hard to get excited about. She got the best parts of each animal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, and then... Uh, I mean, those are the two we've seen. And then you have sure. the jackal people that are yep. weird. Yeah. Okay. I can't side with you on that one, okay? Yeah. No, the Greek, the Greeks, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I 
I want to say that maybe there might be some like some Native American gods in there that could be pretty BA, but I'm not going to try and pretend like I even know specifically who those would be. But the Greeks are the Greeks are not a bad choice, right? And they're utilized so often in superhero uh, mythology, whether it be here in the Marvel realm or even DC, most commonly and frequently with the likes of Wonder Woman, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the same characters, quite frankly, show up just reimagined ever so slightly, but a lot of a lot of similarities there. Yep. And Hercules is the main one for Marvel that they use for the Olympic pantheon. Yep. yep. Right, right. So the Greeks, pretty tough to pretty tough to top that. Probably because they're the least odd, right? They're all humanoid, two arms, two legs, and they just have souped up abilities. Correct. Yeah, as opposed to as you just stated, the Egyptians, those gods look weird. They're just strange. They are definitely out there. Yep. Well, I was just thinking too. I don't I don't know what the explanation is, but I want I I need to look up Marvel's explanation of having multiple sets of gods. You know, because sure. like the Greeks, it was only the Greek pantheon. The Romans, it was only the Roman pantheon. Yep. The Egyptians, it's only the Egyptian pantheon. Christians, it's only Jesus. You know. Mm-hmm. I tell you what. So, in the Thor run, right by Jason Aaron, that we have hyped up so frequently, and that we're going to see on the big screen, at least some variety or version of that in July. One of the more delightful. Uh, creative exploits that Mr. Aaron goes on in this run is Gore the God Butcher, right? He's taking out God after God after God. So in other words, there's thousands of gods out there, which is kind of fun to think about. And there's gods of very simple, like, basic things Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't think need a god necessarily. I would love to be the god of grilled meats. Like, what an outstanding, outstanding place to hold. You are the god of grilled meats. Anytime someone comes through with a clutch, juicy steak, you are involved in that. That'd be what a great piece of credit to be able to hold in someone's mind and heart. Like very, very neutral in the sense that no one's really going to want to come at you. Like, because who wants to get rid of grilled meats in the world? I think I would, frankly, be left alive by Gore. He'd be like, you know what? You live. You're allowed to. You're allowed to press on. I appreciate you. And I care about you in a weird way. That, that's where I would go. Grilled meats. If I couldn't, you know, if I couldn't do something genuinely uh, powerful, like the God of Thunder, I would do grilled meats. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of what I would do. Think of all the gatherings I would be invited. This is to. true. You would actually. Right? Well, you would host a lot. Also true. You would be the host. It would be outstanding. You'd have a, you'd have an apron. Can I see grilled and that smoked say, meats? Like, who's Do your I have daddy? To myself to... <laughs> that would be the apron. Yeah, yeah. You'd have a spatula in one hand at all times, tongs in, in the hands at the other times, and then you'd have a third hand. It'd be for, a golden spatula. Yeah, and then you'd have a third hand mm-hmm. for where you would hold your beer. Of course. Because this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the essentials of grilling, according to my father. I would have a belt that has hooks, which I could hook the spatula and hook the tongs very easily, probably a holster. That for said beverage. Mm-hmm. That makes mm-hmm. sense, too. Yeah. The Batman utility belt of grill, <laughs> grilling meats. Grilling meats. <laughs> I like it. That's a good question. I got to see now. I'm thinking of, like, what would my my thing be? Yeah. Ponder it. 
ponder it. It's not a question you want to come to a hasty response to. No, you're right. Yeah. So all that being said, we've got Egyptian gods. We've got Moon Knight to talk about. We've seen episodes three and four since last last we potted. Most recently, of course, minutes ago, wrapping up episode four with one another. Mind-melting stuff. So we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, you've delved into the source material, Moon Knight Comics. Yes. Straight up Michael Bendis and our guy Alex... Sorry, is it Maliev, right? Am I remember that right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had Maldive in my head. That's not right. Alex Maliev, a tremendous pairing. They did a lot of great work on Daredevil. They did some Moon Knight work. So looking forward to hearing what you have to say on that. I'll, of course, touch base on the next three movies in my top 30 films. We'll keep making that countdown. And speaking of Thor... The God of Thunder graced us with a teaser trailer for his upcoming flick. So we've got some good meat on that bone per use to delve into. So let's just get right into it with the old Moon Knight himself. Starting with episode three, we'll be recapping episodes three and four in this JP and Beans episode. Episode three sees our guy waking up in Egypt. So we're spending a lot of time in Egypt in episode three. What'd you think, Riles? We actually got a lot of Moon Knight in the suit. That's always a good thing. This is true. I was trying to. I was just going through my head what all happened in episode three. So episode three, yeah. So it was nice. It was we got Mark for most part. Yep, correct. A lot of Mark. Very okay. little Stephen. Oh, and then we had some Stephen, just had, not a lot. We had the Jake nod. Correct. Yep. yep. Which. Was when on he, the rooftops, and he just killed a lot of people. Killed some dudes, and they're like, oh, "I wasn't mean." Right, neither like, Mark nor Steven are taking credit so, for it. So it's definitely that guy, okay? And then, uh, which what? is critical because we're thinking, "Hey, there's another persona that has yet to come out here." Well, we've right? been waiting. Yep, and we'll get to ep the next episode where yep. it, it even hints it further. Yep. So that was cool. The fight scenes with the horses that was actually really good. This is very well done. Mm -hmm. He messed good up a lot of there. Yep, and Great he action. stabbed quite a bit. Yep. With lots and lots of spiky poles. Lives. It was an interesting how him him and Steven just switched mid-fight. Right. And then switched immediately back. Yeah. Steven's not the more capable uh, fighter, clearly. <laughs> Mark's the guy there. So, it was good to see that. And it's actually... Especially through episode four, you're starting to see Mark and Steven's relationship actually grow to where they work together instead mm -hmm. of like, this is my body, I need it now, yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. that's actually like... Yeah, there's more synergy there, good, right? Good character development. Yep, more synergy. Steven and Mark. More of a cooperative relationship rather than an adversarial uh, confrontation. Mm -hmm. yep. For sure. Yep. So, and then... Episode, episode, for <laughs> got real trippy. Well, in Kanchu, we got to mention in episode three. Oh yeah, episode three. Kanchu, big, big move there. Kanchu makes the makes the sacrifice play to help guide Mark. Well, I guess at this point, Stephen and Layla to the tomb mm -hmm. by this is a pretty pretty good flex on Kanchu's part, right? Taking the skies and reversing them. What was it 2,000 years? Yep. All the way back to when the map that they were attempting to utilize to guide them to the tomb uh, so they could 
align the stars just right to guide them precisely where the tomb would be. I didn't know Kanchu had that in him. That's quite the flex on Kanchu's part. It really is. Came at quite the cost because we also saw Kanchu appear before his uh, Egyptian pantheon brothers and sisters in an attempt to try and take Mr. Harrow down. Oh, I forgot about that. Too. Boy, did Kanchu not come through in the clutch. Kanchu did not come through oh, in the clutch. This is a classic case of, frankly, you're stepping up to the free throw line and you're down by one, right? It's not tied. You need to make both free throws to win. But even if you make just one, you're back to tied, right? You haven't lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he bricks them both by, by a lot. He like, bricks the first one. He built a couple homes with yes. these respective bricks. It's true. The Singular bricks the, that translated into homes. These were big misses. The third little part. piggy would have been resting comfortably wow. in his brick home. Yeah. It was terrible. It, it was bad. And the whole the funniest part is, don't screw this up, is what he says to Mark. To Mark, and, right. And he he's the one who screws it up so no. badly. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so then it translates to episode four, right? Conchu's locked up, hence the suit Conchu's is out of the picture. With what we noticed, there is more than one Egyptian god locked right. up. Right, straight out of the gate at episode four, we see there are multiple perhaps dozens, perhaps more than dozens, but at the bare minimum, multiple mm -hmm. gods that have been similarly sealed. Uh, sealed, yep, sealed, entombed. So, and then... Uh, so this is not unprecedented. Correct. And then Stephen and Layla go into the tomb. Then they fight some weird mummy thing, which they never delve on what that is. Yeah, lots going uh, unexplained here. They get to the tomb. They, whatever the heck that they, freaking thing was that killed kills a guy, puts him right on the table, and starts embalming kills him. him. It was gross. That was gross. That was gross. Like they didn't show a lot, but the sounds were just nasty. Sounds were enough. It was terrible. I just terrible. I am still confused. I have no idea what that is. Right. I have no idea what that is. No. No, I think they wanted us to believe. You know what? I don't even know. I don't even know. Because I thought odd. for sure at first it was something Harrow, like summoned or whatever. Right. But we don't know. Well, because it was one of Harrow's guys that got, that killed. got killed. Right. That's so why it's confusing. A little, little hard to connect the dots of would Harrow like intentionally do that to his guy? Not without some kind of provocation, as far as we know. And then, so that was sick. That was gross. It was disgusting. And then we find out. That the tomb belongs to Alexander the Great, which I thought was really cool. That was a good twist. Yeah, so Stephen's going off. He figures out, hey, this is Alexander the Great's tomb here to, or prior to this time, undiscovered and the whereabouts unknown. In the meantime, Layla's being manipulated by oh, Harrow, sure. who's oh, yeah. trying to convince her that uh, Mark, in his, uh, well, just frankly, in his pre conchu form, killed her father. Not a great look. Right and has never told her about it, so that's a little that's a little difficult. Also, in the meantime, Stephen is is it appropriate to say putting the moves on Layla or it's it's such a weird. There's no real grid for this relationship. Like they are married, they're together. That physical body that inhabits you know both Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, weirdly enough, is married to Layla. So there, it's it's. 
it's weird. It's, it's complex. It's, a weird situation it's very for weird. Sure. But point is, the Steven persona and Layla are bonding, getting closer together. Harrow comes in, trying to split them apart, and Layla confronts Mark and Steven at not the best of time, right? Not no. not the best time to have a have a necessary but uh, disruptive confrontation. Not for the best. No. no, no, not for the best. And it leads to Mark being exposed, vulnerable, and just getting blown away by Harrow. Not before he takes out a couple dudes with the axe of Alexander the Great. That That was was awesome. That was badass. That was great. That was badass. Good way to go. Uh, But he does go. He gets shot. And we think, okay, he falls into the water. End of of the episode. episode, He's going to be reincarnated by a Kanchu who's broken free or a different Egyptian god is going to step in. Step in and have Mark Spector be the avatar. Because there's precedence for this. Minutes, minutes before Mark Spector gets shot, when he's trying to explain to Layla, hey, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be alive at this point because when your dad died, I was also shot and left for dead. Yeah, which is actually going, they're going straight out of the book for his origin, which I love. That was great. So that felt like foreshadowing to here comes Harold, shoots Mark. He bounces back again as an avatar of... Maybe Kanchu again, maybe someone else. But instead, where do we end up, Riley? We ended up in the mental ward. Yeah, a uh, psychiatric ward. And we see characters like our dear sweet Donna that we haven't seen since episode one. Steven's uh, gift shop buddy. Buddy being a really generous use of the word buddy. Work associate. Uh, Donna and Steven did not get along. She's apparently in the ward as a patient. We see Layla also as a patient. Yep. Um, and then, oh, look at that. There's Harrow as the doctor trying to treat all these Mark, people. Steven, all these people. And, of course, there's a painting on the wall that looks like the town that Mark and Steven encountered Harrow in the first episode. Yep. There's Egyptian paraphernalia all over Harrow's office. And at this point, like I'm thinking, well, this is quite the twist. All of what we've seen so far has legitimately been in his head, and now we're being brought into reality. Turns out that's not really the case because this reality gets twisted up real fast as Mark freaks out, runs away from Harrow, tries to escape out of the hospital, instead comes across an Egyptian sarcophagus, pushes the lid off. Oh, look, there's Stephen. So now we have twins. We have Mark and Spe- Mark and Stephen both running around with mm-hmm. each other. They encounter another sarcophagus, another strong tease of that third persona. Jake. They do not open up the sarcophagus. They open up a different door, and there's Egyptian hippo lady. And Egyptian then the episode LA, ends. The the goddess of fertility. Wow. Which if any if anything represents fertility, it's definitely hippos, lions, and crocodiles, am I right? Not the first thing that comes to mind with hippos, but maybe for some people. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So but, a lot happened. A lot happened. 
what were your takeaways from two very full episodes? So, firstly, I did get one of my wishes. Okay. And that was being, like, not, hmm, what's the word? Being shown more of the Egyptian pantheon. Yep. Like, we've been diving into Egyptian mythos, and I love it. Because I don't know anything about it, so it's fascinating to me. So we have that. That's great. Sure. That that gives me lots to look forward to. Because now I know that they're going to be more of players in the, in the show. Okay. So that's a plus. Yep. Secondly, you know he's going to come back. I'm excited for Jake. I just want... I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the take is going to be on him. Um, that's my curiosity. Yep. Um... Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they're all three going to come to terms where they have to work together, right. which is going to be great. Um, I'm just hoping to God we get more fights. <laughs> That's what I want. Yep, yep. Like, at least with Daredevil, we got brutal fight after brutal fight after brutal fight after brutal fight. I want that. Marvel's depriving me of it. A lot of action, yeah. I need it. And yeah, then, I was texting well, just on that note. <laughs> I was texting one of my brothers about the Moon Knight show so far, and he's much more familiar with the character just from the comics than really? I am. Okay. Yeah. And he was saying that he's, on the one hand, he has enjoyed the show for what it is as an origin story for the character, but he was hoping for what you just mentioned of more of a vigilante show where he is Moon Knight. He's gone through this phase already, the coming to terms with who he is. And he's now just fully embraced and into the Moon Knight persona. So we're just seeing Moon Knight, Moon Knight, Moon Knight, Moon Knight doing his thing. As opposed to this progression, this origin that at least we're being exposed to of Mark, Stephen, eventually Jake. Figuring out their their dynamic before ultimately, I would assume, embracing Moon Knight. And then we get more of that in the future with the character. Yeah, I'm... So I am, I'm with you there. I'm hoping we get to that point where it's just established and we yep. don't have to go through this nonsense. Well, it's not nonsense, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's a lot of development. It's a lot of development. Yep. And you're like, get there. Yep. Get there. Get there. I want to see fights. Yep. So it'll be interesting. We've got two episodes left. Do we want to make final predictions? Well, before we get into that, like for me... I was I was relieved that episode three avoided the episode three slump that I felt Loki mm. fell yep. into. So I was I was quite relieved that episode three was strong. Um, that like you said, we got a lot of Moon Knight, we got a lot of action. That was great. Um, that was encouraging. Episode four was just flat out bizarre. So much that we saw that wasn't explained. This show is very much following a pattern that Loki set up where episode four in Loki ends and Loki's been disintegrated. Um, oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, this yes. is very similar then. Owen Wilson's, why am I blanking on the... Mobius on, and Mobius. Thank you. My goodness. Mobius the had triple been, M. Mobius had been disintegrated. Um and it felt perhaps like that could be the end of Tom Hiddleston's Loki character, but then we get that end credits scene teasing the other Lokis yes. in that limbo area. 
And so this this show, Moon Knight, is following what I feel like to be a really similar progression where that fourth episode ends with a, what? Like, what, what are we seeing here? Because that fourth episode of Loki ends with classic Loki, boastful Loki, crocodile Loki, and kid Loki. And that's all we see for maybe just a few brief seconds. So there's not a lot to go off of as far as what to anticipate that's coming next. I feel like we're ending in a similar spot. Similar spot here. So I, I don't, on the one hand, I don't mind it, but it does make me that much more eager to get to episodes five and six to hopefully, and here's where I hope it's different than Loki, hopefully there's more that's explained in a more like finalized fashion. I agree. Because man, Loki, for as much as I enjoyed it and for as solid as it was, when that show wrapped up, there are still so many questions. I, I so many. I literally just want to go, okay, like, let's, let's, let's get this done. Let's get this, let's get this through. Let's get this all figured right. out. So then we can go fight some people. Because that's all I want at this point. I just want to fight some people. Yeah. So I was bummed that episode four, uh, I was like you. I was ready for less Steven, more Mark. We went back to a very heavy dose of Steven in this episode. And we got none, zero of the Moon Knight character. That has to be, that debt has to be paid in my mind. If not by episode five, then heavily by episode six. Like he needs to by episode five, he being all of the he's, Mark, Stephen, Jake, need to have enough of their crud together where they can be in that suit for that sixth episode. Because for as deep as we are into this season now, we're two-thirds of the way through, I don't think we've had enough of the Moon Knight persona. And there's still time. There's still time, so I'm not declaring it a, a failure by any stretch of the imagination. But when you have a show that is about Moon Knight, that's about Daredevil, that's about take your pick, that's who you're there to see. The alter ego, yep, they've got a part in it. They're part of what enriches that character and makes them that much more compelling. But they're not the reason that you watch that show. Like I don't watch Batman movies to see Bruce Wayne. It's great that he's in there. It adds to the character of Batman. He needs to be there in order for Batman to exist. But give me Batman. It's true. Give me Batman all day. That's where I'm at at this moment with Moon Knight. We've had a ton of development, a ton of exploration of Mark, of Steven. I, as much as I'm eager to see Jake also, I don't want to take so much time on Jake that we don't get enough Moon Knight by these last couple episodes. I agree. That's why I'm kind of wanting them to just get the Jake thing done. Mm-hmm. We know Jake's coming. He's been shaking his sarcophagus for the, for far too long. Okay, Let, mm-hmm. let's hope that he comes out in this next. I think he, I think. Well, I thought he was gonna come out this episode. To be honest with you, sure. Hopefully, he comes out this next episode. Sure. And we don't wait till episode six. Like, just get this over with. We know he's coming. Right. Okay. Let's, right. Let's, let's do that, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, prediction time. Episodes five and six. We got two left. And the next time we pod, we're going to have seen both those episodes. So that's exciting. It is exciting. That's exciting. Exciting, and then we'll, we'll be fully getting into Doctor Strange, but that's a whole other topic for another day. Absolutely. Let's start with 
who out of the characters that we've been introduced to so far, the main characters, right? We don't necessarily need to get into the yeah. auxiliary characters. Excuse me, unless one compels you. Who do you think is going to live? Who do you think is going to die? Oh, we're going go that route. Let's go that route. Let's go there. Good question. So. Obviously, Moon Knight's going to live. Correct. This is not a one-off for Moon Knight. He's pretty safe. I can see Layla dying. Okay. That wouldn't surprise me. Okay. I can see Arthur dying. That also wouldn't surprise me. He's Har- out. He's toast. Harrow is probably. He's toast. I feel pretty good about him. He'll probably become the. Dead. Well, he'll probably become the avatar for that new for that god, is god goddess, and then they'll probably kill him. Before, sure. Yeah. Well, before I'm she can get full power or whatever, mm. or maybe she will get. It doesn't matter. So he'll die from that, and then we we also got uh, Mister Dude who got stabbed in the back. Yep. He's well, coming Anton. back. Anton. And I know he's coming back. And right. he, the, he'll he probably die just because his actual actor's no longer with us. Rest Tough. in peace. Yep. So yep. I don't have much faith in that. I, I Honestly, I think anybody is up for grabs here on the on the death front. Here's a controversial take. I don't think anybody dies. I think everybody lives. Even Harrow? Even Harrow. I really yeah. do. I think, he's, I think he sticks around. I think he's got some staying power there. I have really enjoyed Ethan Hawke in this show. He is good. I've never appreciated that guy's voice. His voice, at least in this show, has been outstanding. Really good. Still don't understand why he's walking around in glass. Yeah, I... They've never explained that one. So weird. Just a... Yeah, very strange move. Very strange move. I have no idea either. Yeah. But, I don't know. I I feel like anybody's up for grabs. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, anyone could die. It wouldn't surprise me too much. Here's what I would love to see. Since we've got Gore the God Butcher coming, I would love at the end of this show, a little end credits tease of Gore the God Butcher taken out. The hippo lady. <laughs> Not a bad choice. Any of these Egyptian gods. I think I think if anything it would That'd be, be outstanding. It would be someone on the Pantheon that we've not that we've seen, but like that we've seen the avatars of. Correct. I think it'll be Correct. one of those. And I think it will either we will actually see that person get murdered, or we will see the god get murdered, or we will just see that person be like, yeah, for some reason I lost my connection to this person. They're no longer with us, mm, and I don't mm-hmm. know why. Yep. And I feel like that's yep. the most feasible. I think that's the way they'll do it. That'd be glorious. It would be sweet. Yeah. And I'd be all for it. Like, just watch Gore go on a rampage. Yep. I'm so excited for that. All for it. But, yeah. And then... Yeah, you got any predictions then for the show, for the finale? I think I do think everybody that we've seen so far, I think they'll live. That that'd be my guess. If somebody's gonna die, Layla or Haro, but uh, it just feels to me currently like they're all gonna not. live. Yeah, I, I'd be okay with that. There's none of these characters that I've grown weary of that I'm looking to get rid of just from a personal preference. So I, I'm all for keeping them around. Um, Part of what I'm really curious of is where Moon Knight, once he kind of comes to his completed, calcified self here at the end of this sixth episode in a couple of weeks, I'm really curious where he's going to make his make his home, like where his operating base will be, right? Because we start with Stephen Grant hanging out in London, okay? So is that where all of the Moon Knight personas live, Stephen 
Mark? Are they settling into London? We're getting a European branch of the Avengers? Or do they move back to good old NYC, the U.S. I, of A? I'm actually going to make my prediction on that. I'm going to say L.A. L.A.? I think we'll get West Coast Avengers. Okay. Because uh, we already have the two Hawkeyes. I know Moon Knight's part of that team. Okay. So that would be my guess. A little L.A. And action. he's also in L.A. in this comic book as well. Wow. But uh, that would be my guess. L.A. or San Francisco, wherever they're stationed at. But I would, I'd be, I'd say that. Because I sure. think they're trying to get out of New York City. Sure. So I'd either say that, or I could see Chicago being a serious option as well, mm. just because that is where okay. Mark Spector is from. He's from gotcha. Chicago. Chicago. And yeah, I'm really intrigued by Harrow when he talked about, or he mentioned to Layla that her father was right, that Egyptian gods live and walk among us. I'd be fascinated to see more of that unwrapped yep. and unraveled. Um, this show is really striking a unique blend in the sense that Moon Knight, on the one hand, seems to be a ground-level character, and yet, at least that's that was my anticipation coming into this yeah. show. But if we're talking about him being the literal avatar of an Egyptian god, that's that's not ground-level powers. Those are some those are some big boy pants. They, they are in right the art. there. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So I'm fascinated as Marvel continues to expand into the cosmic. Is this supposed to be a show that provides, you know, paths to both, or is it trying to hit one lane rather than the other? I'm not sure yet. So I'll be fascinated to see how that unfolds. I don't know that I have a prediction necessarily for that, other than I don't think we're going to get much more of that unpackaged in this season. I think it's going to stay fairly focused on the characters we've seen so far. Correct. I don't think we're all of a sudden just going to get a smorgasbord of uh, different Egyptian gods, even though that's been teased, right? As you mentioned, yeah. beginning of episode four, yeah. hey, there's all these other gods that have been entombed, captured. It just doesn't feel like that we're going to get a bunch of those gods revealed and freed up there's the a, this season. There's a lot of potential. And the fact that we finally get alluded to the fact that Mark's partner is the one who turned and killed. So there's an there's another route we can go down. Is the guy who murdered sure Layla's dad sure. So I'm very very excited. Yeah, yeah. Overall, yeah. I, I've enjoyed it up to this point. Again, I personally my biggest ask and hope for the next two episodes are more of Moon Knight. Now that has to happen with Kanshu getting freed up. It's gonna be fascinating to see how they resolve this afterlife bit that they're choosing to delve into um hopefully it resolves fairly quickly right like let's get back to action let's get moon knight let's get in that suit and let's see let's go to work let's go to work let's go to work see some good action it's time to go to work it is absolutely yeah that's great anything else you want to hit on that those episodes it all right talk to us riles about that source material you got in your hands there a little moon knight okay Comics. Yeah. What have you read? What have you learned? So I read the um, complete collection, Moon Knight, uh, Brian Michael Bendis's run. Uh, it's a twelve-issue miniseries um, that Brian did. Okay, and I've, I've talked a little bit about it in the last two episodes, but uh, pretty much at the start of this, Moon Knight is actually stationed in L.A. Um, he's go. approached by Captain America, Wolverine, and Spider-Man, who mm-hmm. are on the Avengers at this time. He's like, hey, we need you to check into this 
this threat for us. He said, okay. So he goes in as Moon Knight, you know, and encounters, like, this small, like, a couple couple thugs, right? And uh, because he's trying to figure out who this big crime lord in L.A. is because... Mm. You know, you have the kingpin in New York. There's somebody trying to establish themselves as the kingpin in L.A., and he's trying to figure out who that is. So he's going through all these steps, right? And then of, and then as he's watching these two guys, and they're trying to make a deal, um, pretty much the ship that has the material that is getting traded off right. um, just starts going into the middle of the air and gets blown up by some powerful dude so the kingpin is some very very strong like this is an avengers level threat Mm. and moon knight's like i'm not gonna call him in yet (laughs) but he gets a piece of what they were trying to steal and it is an ultron head so they are trying to ship that dang robot always crops up man so they are trying to move an ultron pretty much sure and he calls the Avengers, and, he's try- and they're pretty much trying to figure out what they want to do with an Ultron head and mm-hmm. who's behind this. Um, you'll see, and that's pretty much the whole plot of this story, is Moon Knight trying to figure out who the big bad is, and he's pretty much out of his league. This is not a threat <laughs> he should be going up against by himself, um, but he chooses to do it anyways, and... Uh, yeah, so you, uh, yeah, Echo is in this from uh, okay, sure. the uh, Dare, not the Daredevil, from the Hawkeye, Hawkeye show. From the Hawkeye yep. show, she makes yep. an appearance. That's a familiar face. She familiar works. Name. She works with Moon Knight for most of the most of the series, where they have a weird like romance kind of thing. Sure. So that is involved. I love how that's what I opened up to. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, I mean, I love the art by Alex Maliv. The art is magnificent. He and Bendis paired up for an outstanding Daredevil run, and it's uh, it's just consistently a feast for the eyes. He has such a unique, um, unique style, and S- seems to suit these ground level characters particularly well. It's great. Yeah. And then one more thing I should point out: if you're looking for a traditional Moon Knight, it's not a traditional Moon Knight. Mm. His Three personalities in his head, including himself, are Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America in his head. So those are the three voices that are in his head. He channels each one of them. He literally um, has... So he has like an ex-former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that pretty much just helps him like get certain weapons and stuff Mm -hmm. for him. Mm -hmm. He He has him get web shooters... He has him get uh, Wolverine claws. He has him get a Captain America shield, but the Captain America shield is not like a real Captain America shield. It's right. uh, the one right. that Captain America uses that's kind of like he can throw, but it goes yep. away after a short period of time. Hmm. So he gets all of his hands on all of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so pretty unique. Not necessarily the what you would expect from a Moon Knight correct. series. And I... Still don't know. I don't understand who the like. 
I don't know very much about the main villain of this. Yes. It's not like a well-known, but it is an Avengers villain. It's not a well-known. So there's gotcha. two there's two villains uh, in this. There's the main one. There's a main one and then I have heard of the second one, but I don't know much mm. about mm-hmm. that. Mhm. So Yeah, yeah. that pretty much uh, sums that up. It was it was a good read. But like I said, if you're looking for more traditional Moon Knight, this is definitely not Definitely not that. Yeah, some similar themes with the the split personalities or multiple personalities. Just a different take on, hey, who are those personalities? Like for him to genuinely be channeling uh, the Captain America, Spider-Man, Wolverine persona. That, that's a bizarre blend. It is a right weird. Right there. It's, it's like you have uh, Spider-Man who's like no killing. You have Wolverine who's all killing. And then you have Captain America in the middle trying to justify what they should do. <laughs> and uh, if killing sometimes. I mean, I will promise you Moon Knight's still crazy. There, um, <laughs> He shows up to a club one time dressed as Spider-Man. Sure. Um and then has a conversation with Spider-Man later on where he's like, did uh, you dress up as me? <laughs> and he goes, uh, no, no, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Who's and, asking? And also to test his former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent buddy, he dresses up as Bullseye and starts uh, like trying to get him to spill information on who Moon Knight is. Weird. And he doesn't, and he's like, it was just me. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so it des- definitely still has the crazy factor. Yeah. Very, very odd. All right. Well, hey, good Moon Knight things. More Moon Knight to come with that next pod a couple weeks from today. That'll be that'll be exciting stuff. Let's uh, let's transition to some more Marvel chat, right? Correct. Thor. Thor, bless him. We've been waiting and waiting and wondering and just trying to figure out when we're gonna get that trailer. And we got it. We got it, Riles. We absolutely. We. Absolutely got it. So Thor Love and Thunder comes out in July of this year. And with it being, you know, mid to late April, it was about time that we got some kind of a tease since we're just a mere three months away from the actual flick dropping. And lo and behold, we got about a 90-second little blurb to digest. And we saw a lot of our guy Thor, which is great. Slimming back down from his fat Thor persona, doing a little, uh, you know, godly working out. Classic. Thank, Good for him. You know what? I'm 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 glad. I'm very <laughs> glad. I can only do I can only do fat Thor for so long before I just like. No. Yeah, there's not real longevity to that particular no aspect. So it made sense to to put that one in the past. Um, but we're getting evidently a Thor that's attempting to be more peaceful. He's he's still not. Although he's slim and trim, he's not interested in uh, in picking up that axe and hacking away at things. He's more he's more ready to put that part of his life in the past, or so it would seem in this trailer. So it would seem. And then, of course, we get a little bit of tease of, oops, he, he's noticing things aren't quite right. There's some dead gods showing up. What's going on about that? Uh, and also the big... Most significant shot at the very end of the trailer, Jane Foster as Thor with a awesome, awesome design. Looks perfect. And a rebuilt Mjolnir. And a rebuilt freaking Mjolnir. How about that? How about them apples? That's wild. Love the look. First of all, love the look of Jane Foster as Thor. 
They ripped it straight out of the Jason Aaron comics. Perfect. No need to mess with it. It's a great look. You've got the gauntlets on the forearms. You've got the helmet that covers the nose and up, along with the wings coming out the sides. It's a great look. Looks freaking fantastic. And the rebuilt Mjolnir, can't say I anticipated that, but I'm here for it. Me too. Love it. Love it. What do you think? Well, first of all, I'd be lying to, to, to say that I the most uh, if I didn't say that the most exciting part of that whole trailer was Thor getting his goats, Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder. Yeah, yeah. We are actually getting full into Norse mythology. I love it. There's the goats. Legitimate, and then uh, so I'm very excited about that <laughs> for for no reason at all. I'm very excited about that. I also want to note we have zero. We have zero nods to anything gore. Correct. Like we did not, and by not that even, I mean not even a did, whisper. We didn't see gore at all. No. Which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for that reveal. No need to rush fine. that. Absolutely. No need. None. It looks like we got a shot of Olympus. Mm-hmm. It looks like we're going to go into a little bit of the Greek mythology. How about that? I'm curious to see if we're going to get a Henry Cavill Hercules, because. Keep in mind, Henry Cavill was in talks with Marvel. He met with Marvel at one point in time. The rumor was that it was either Captain Britain or Hercules. Mm. We will find out in this movie. I think if you're introducing Zeus, it's a no-brainer to to introduce Hercules. Sure. It took me an unreasonable amount of time to think <laughs> of that. Um, I'm curious to see how... Um, how much of a presence uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy have in this. Right. Because, uh, I don't know, it doesn't look like they're there for super long. But maybe that's just me. Hard to know, right? I mean, you don't want to try and extrapolate too much out of a 90-second trailer. There's there's really basic, uh, basic ideas being shown. The biggest takeaway is, okay, Thor's not interested in fighting probably at the beginning of this movie, right? Obviously, that's going to have to change with the uh, arrival or advent of gore on the scene. Um, Loved seeing the the back of old Russell Crowe as Zeus. I'm really looking forward to him as Zeus. Like, that is... It's a good choice. for For as much as I'm very excited about everything else with this movie, outside of Thor and gore... Super stoked, super stoked to see what on earth they do with Russell and Zeus because it's going to be played for laughs. I think I don't think you it's going to be played see, much in I the way so. of I don't think it's going to be played much in the way of anything with Zeus having much of a serious role. I think he's going to die. I think Gore's going to kill him. I'm going to call that shot right now. He gone. He gone. I think Thor's going to be. I think Thor goes to Olympus for help. Okay. Whether or not he gets it, that's another question. I think Thor goes to Olympus to try and kind of raise the hand and go, hey. A dude's coming for you? Yeah. There's this gore guy. He's he's coming. And Russell Crowe's Zeus is just over the top. Like, for as cocky as Thor has been at times, he's next level. He's well, like, bro, that's come Zeus on. anyways. I so. got, exactly. <laughs> I got the lightning. I got the power. If, if what you say is true, uh, I'll handle it. NBD, LOL, BT dubs. And then Gore kills him. 
That's, I'm calling that right now. It's a fair guess. Feel very confident about it's a, that. It's a fair guess. Feel very confident about that. It's a very that. fair guess. I'm mean, getting most of that out of that lightning bolt that he was holding. That is a child's lightning bolt. Like, that was a kitty lightning bolt. This isn't a serious Zeus. This isn't a Zeus that someone needs to fear. Gore's going to take him down. He's going to take him down hard. Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I'll be, I'll be interested. I, I'm, I, like, like you said, I, I would be, I'd like to see the Egyptian gods involved in this somehow. Mm. Uh, Bast for Black Panther. I think there's a lot of opportunity to get a lot of the, the rest of the Marvel Universe in some way, shape, or form to be sure. involved. Sure. Um, it'll also be interesting to see what the effects of Doctor Strange has on this movie. Mm. If any at all. Right. Because this, this looks like just a continuation after Endgame. This doesn't look like we're going to have anything to do with the multiverse, mm. which is super nice. This is kind of, that's kind of why Moon Knight's nice. A little more self-contained. Exactly. Yep. It's going to be self-contained, but it's not going to be self-contained because mm-hmm. it looks like they're planet hopping. Yep. Also great. Like, yep. I'm actually looking forward to different changes of scenery. Hopefully we see some new stuff that we haven't seen. Yep. Uh, it looks would imagine like, so. Yeah, my guess is he's just going to be fighting for other gods on different planets with gores, what it looks like, and mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Because isn't right. it kind of like, isn't the story a little bit like a detective kind of thing where he's trying to like... Oh, very much so. Figure out who it is and follow the path. Yeah, what, what's going to be, what is so, what, part of what is so unique and outstanding about the comic that the movie just can't hope to duplicate is that in the comic you've got three thors you've got thor from 2000 years ago you've got thor from the present and you've got thor from 2000 years in the future so very much in the past thor the present thor and then very much in the future thor all trying to find out who gore is defeat him obviously at different points in time and then comics (laughs) their past coalesce but yeah, the present-day Thor in particular is very much on the hunt trying to track Gore down because he knows that his past self had an encounter with Gore, but he thought he had defeated Gore. As it turns out, more gods are showing up dead, and he goes, wait a minute, I remember this. This is from that one dude I fought 2,000 years ago. Maybe he's not gone. So it's, it's really fascinating. It's great. So here's my thought. Okay, because obviously they're not going to go that route, probably. Right. So... Not going to see three different Thors. No, but we are seeing two different Thors in a sense of we have Jane Foster. Yep. We have regular. Are we going to see a different person take up the third spot? A little Beta Ray Bill, you're thinking? Is that Beta Ray? Because that would be sick. That would be sick. Yeah. I think there's room for it. I think there's an opportunity there. You bet there's room for it. I also... And I know, like... It feels like they're mixing the two storylines because yep. It I feel like Natalie Portman's Jane Foster is going to be becoming like taking on that hero role because Thor doesn't want to while he's figuring himself out because if you remember he became unworthy right because right yeah it was what was the reasoning that it was like I'm trying to figure out the wording but it was like he's unworthy because. Uh, or no, it was it was essentially that Gore the God Butcher was right. Mm-hmm. The gods are not a higher standard of being. Right, or gods whatever. are not worthy of the praise that they receive. Yes. Yep. So yep. it'll be interesting to see see him pretty much 
I don't know. I feel like that's what it's going to be. Him finding his role hmm. now in the, in the universe. And maybe we'll get King Thor. Odin Force. That'd be cooler. Yeah. I'll take that. I, where I'm most confident is that I feel like this movie's in great hands since it's in the same directorial hands Correct. as that third Thor film. So it's it's going to strike, I think, a more confident tone. Um, I think Thor Ragnarok was in some ways a very pleasant surprise <laughs> because it was such a commitment to the comedic side of that character that maybe the second movie toyed with a little bit. First movie, really not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Avengers films, some. And I think that was a really strong route to go with the character, to tap into that comedic side. What I'm a little wary of is, hey, let's not get too absurd and too and too goofy with it. I agree. I don't want that either. No. No. And so I hope it doesn't go too far over to that side because this is a... I'm thinking back to the endgame version of this character, right? Where we got Fat Thor. Yeah. Okay. That was a physical embodiment of the emotional trauma. It made sense. That he had gone through, right? So there was some... It was obviously played for some laughs, but it was also just a representation of the depth of the character and how sincere his loss had been, right? And so if they can continue to strike that balance from Endgame where they... I think they came close in Ragnarok. That got a little too goofy at times for my taste. I agree. Still really good, but more goofy than I would care for. So if they can hit that Endgame vein then this has a chance to be really special because Gore the God Butcher is a terrific adversary. I'm with you. I'm not sure how, um, from a story perspective, they're going to bring Jane Foster's Thor into the fold because we also haven't seen Jane Jane Foster since Thor the freaking Dark World. Like, that's been a piece. And I'm, I'm... Unless you want to include the flashbacks in Endgame with Jane, which I don't count. Different category in my mind. So we haven't seen fresh material with Jane for a while, for a long while. And her reveal as Thor uh, in the comics doesn't have any direct correlation to a conflict with Gore. That is, as you stated, Thor finds himself unworthy. Mjolnir chooses Jane. Jane becomes Thor. So I'm very, very curious to see how that unfolds in this film. But looking forward yeah, to it nonetheless. We have nothing on her. I'm assuming it's going to go into the count, in, into the cancer sure. route. I, sure. I mean, it almost has to, right? That was such an essential part of yep. yeah, her in the, being in the, Thor. Right, in the comics, she... Yeah, but I'm not even sure how much that had to do with Mjolnir choosing her. Well, no, I'm not that part, but like I'm just saying, like I know that that was an essential part of her character. Yeah. So in the comics, Jane has terminal cancer, or very bad cancer, and then when Mjolnir selects her to uh, bear the burden of having the power of Thor, every time that she uses Mjolnir and takes on the Thor persona, it taxes her mortal form to where she goes from being pretty sick with cancer to wow this is really terminal you have days to live kind of sick and so it's a very significant trade-off of yep you use Mjolnir you gain that power you do good things but 
at an extremely significant cost. So I could see that being tied in here as well. Who knows? Here's where I'm at. They don't have to show me another second, and I'm going to go see that movie. Correct. They're going to show another trailer at some point. They will, and I think that's where we'll see Probably gore. in June. We'll see gore. But, man, I don't, right? I don't need to see another second to go see this movie and to not only go see it, but to be very excited for it. I think it's going to be outstanding. Gore the God Butcher. Christian, Christian Bale. Christian freaking Bale as Gore the God Butcher has the potential to be the one of the best MCU villains we've ever had. Yep. That is a fantastic actor with a fantastic villain combining those two together. I mean... He's already played a psychopath that murders a lot of people. We're gonna be we're in business. He, he can tap into the psychopath. Should be well practiced. I'm so happy. Yeah. Best casting choice ever. Yeah. It's gonna be gonna be pretty doggone wild. Pretty doggone wild. Cool. Anything else you want to hit on there, Riles? Mm-mm. Okay. That's out- I am great. That's outstanding. Well, hey, let's let's jump over. All right. We have been in the last couple of podcasts. Uh, chipping through my list of top 30 films and we are six deep thus far so we're about to hit uh, seven eight and nine working our way back so rather than seven eight nine you could call them numbers 24 23 and 22 on the list so we hit starting from number 30 working our way back oceans 11 saving mr banks cinderella the more modern remake love it Spider-Man 2, Lincoln, Hell or High Water, coming in at a crisp 25. So rolling in at number 24 is Moneyball. 23, True Grit. 22, Hack Saw Ridge. Have you seen any of these three movies? I've seen Moneyball. You've seen Moneyball. it's been a while. You bet. So Moneyball... Based on a true story, classic movie, right? In the sense that, hey, based on a true story. Well, it's based on a book which is based on a true story of Oakland A's general manager, Billy Bean, trying to find a way around the hierarchy of baseball to get his ball club, the Oakland A's, a relatively small market team with less resources than the majority of their competitors trying to figure out how on earth they can compete with them on a regular basis. And he discovers a, a route to identifying good or valuable players that other teams ignore or more easily dismiss. dismiss. So baseball, a passion of mine, so easier for a baseball movie to really grab me. But where this movie really shines, the dialogue is absolutely outstanding. Brad Pitt Stars Jonah Hill participates as well in a supporting role. They're both tremendous. Brad Pitt as Billy Bean, Jonah Hill as his, I almost want to say consigliere, which is not at all the right word, but associate. I'm going to right totally hand act man. like I know what that word Right means. hand man. Consigliere. Consigliere. I didn't even say <laughs> uh, But they're terrific, um, and it's a great... It's a great character study with a dude that in Billy Bean is willing to take a huge, huge risk from a career perspective at putting himself 
on the line to follow through on this new philosophy that may or frankly may not work. But uh, it covers a really fascinating time in baseball history as well. About 20 years ago now when the Oakland A's frankly discovered and invented this new way to evaluate players that have heavily influenced how baseball teams at the major league level in particular uh, evaluate talent, build their teams. Um, So really fascinating from a baseball perspective. I think it's worthwhile even if you're not a baseball fan, but really, really solid flick. And hey, Chris Pratt's in this movie, by the way. Chris freaking Pratt shows up and pretty fascinating. He looks so much like the baseball player guy by the name of Scott Hatterberg. He looks so much like him. It's actually a little spooky, but good to see Chris Pratt in this one as well. So fantastic stuff. Number 23, True Grit. Now this is a remake, right? The original True Grit came out back in 1960s. John Wayne, name you might recognize. Outstanding actor. This is not that. Bless you, John Wayne. But... This version of True Grit has Jeff Bridges as Rooster Cogburn, Haley Steinfeld, who we just saw in the Hawkeye series. She's in that? She's in this. She's outstanding. This was, I believe, her debut film. She even got nominated for an Oscar in this flick. She's really good. She's really young, really good. Uh, Matt Damon sneaks in here as well. And, and... How about our boy Thanos, Josh Brolin? I thought he was in this. Yeah, yeah, he's in it also. Listen, the dialogue in this movie is unfreaking real. If you want to watch a movie and just be entertained by the verbiage that gets tossed back and forth, this movie right here, outstanding. Um, It's not a very long movie. It's a little less than a couple of hours, but it is nonetheless terrific, even though it's relatively uh, relatively brief. And I would wager, even if you're not someone that's typically a Western fan, hey, this one, if you haven't seen it in particular, check it out. If it's been a while since you've seen it, revisit this. If it's been that long, you're going to be genuinely, genuinely pleased to revisit this film. Hacksaw Ridge, number 22. Now, this is a little bit less well-known. There's only a couple people that I've talked to that have actually seen this movie I don't think it got perhaps its due when it originally came out, but it tells the real-life story of Desmond Doss. All right, He was a conscientious objector back in World War II. That means he is so opposed to violence, he refuses to even touch a gun, which makes it a little challenging to go, so how are you going to help out here in the World War II front? right? So he chooses to enlist as a medic, but even... Your average medic is comfortable carrying, you know, a sidearm or something. Uh, not so much with Desmond Doss, and he, the first half of this movie, he is enduring an incredible amount of not just condensation but persecution from his fellow soldiers who think this guy just has to be a coward if he's not willing to hold a gun. And so the first half of the movie is Doss dealing with the persecution he's enduring at the hands of his fellow soldiers. Even to the point he gets court-martialed, which is incredibly significant because if you are found guilty at a court-martial, you run the risk of long-term imprisonment, much less uh, getting expelled from the service. It's not a good situation, right? Second half of the movie, 
is exceptionally violent, like some of the most violent war scenes I've ever seen. But to its credit, it's not there for the show or the gore just to put it on display and say, ooh, look, there's there's a limb flying in the air. It's tough. It's trying to depict war as it likely was or likely is. It's really gruesome. It's really tough. The sound design is incredible. But Desmond Doss, the reason his story is being told, because again, this is a real life story, he single-handedly rescues over 75, 75 of the same men who persecuted him and put him through just hell prior to actually getting to the active front um, through just sheer determination, courage, and faith. It's outstanding. It's really good. Our guy, Andrew Garfield, Andrew freaking Garfield, our new favorite Spider-Man is Desmond Doss. He's terrific in this movie. Yeah, I think I know. I think I'm picturing the trailers for the yep. movie. Yep. Vince Vaughn even shows up and plays a fairly significant role. Not a role that I would have anticipated him being in, but he does an outstanding job also. So great movie. It's okay if you're not a war movie person. Um, I would still highly recommend this movie it's it's incredibly incredibly well made andrew garfield is absolutely clutch and one of the things about this movie that after i watched it i was just compelled like i got to find out more about this guy more about his story desmond doss being a world war ii veteran there's very few of them that are still alive today but there were some pretty extensive interviews done with his son in preparation for this movie and his son desmond doss jr after he saw the movie he was so moved by how accurately he felt like Andrew Garfield portrayed his dad and the actress, now I'm blanking on uh, blanking on her name, that portrays Desmond Doss's wife, so this guy's mom. He was so moved by how accurately they were portrayed, he was just brought to tears. He's like, "That's those are my freaking parents on the screen. That's really cool. That was I thought that was really unique. That's going to be the highest compliment right? as an actor. Right? Yeah, especially when you're portraying a real-life individual. Situation, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I thought that was really really enriching to, to learn about the movie. So so there you go. Number 25, Moneyball. Number 24, True Grit. Number 23, Hacksaw Ridge. And just as a little tease, uh, here in a couple of weeks, we'll get into the Christopher Nolan territory. So we got a whole trio of Christopher Nolan flicks coming up in a, in a couple of weeks on the there next pod. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So that's what I got for us, Riles. Anything else you want to hit on before we send yeah, the good people along their way? What the heck happened to Vince Vaughn? Is Vince Vaughn still doing movies? That's something I've been... Th- I was just like, Vince Vaughn. That's yeah. I haven't heard in forever. Let's see. Great question. Vince was in... Uh, gosh, when did, we, when did we talk about this? We talked about McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, on our last pod, I yes, think. Yes, we did. And... We brought up True Detective, or I brought up True Detective. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn was in the second season of True Detective, but here's what's really unique about True Detective, okay? Even though it's there's a second season and a third season, maybe a fourth season, none of them have anything to do with each other. They're their own independent stories, oh, that's nice. characters. And I know Vince Vaughn was in that second season, but I mean, I'm trying to think of the last thing that I've... I've even seen him in, and I, I'm coming up. I'm coming up empty. Like it's been a long time 
with with dear old Vince. Hacksaw Ridge might have been it. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe the guys just kind of pulled back a little bit, right? Doing less, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a while since I've seen him in anything new, quite frankly. Here, let's get to the actor section of IMDb with our guy. Queen pins, yeah. Not a lot. No, not much. Not much. Movie here, movie there. But nothing that I would say is really gaining a whole lot of notoriety. So, Fair yeah, enough. There you go. So, I don't know. Might be one of those guys that just kind of is, hey, played his part and is stepping back for a little bit. Which... You're certainly entitled to do if you've made your bajillions and done your thing. I'm going to say, I think he's sitting I think on he's a fine. big old pile of cash. Watch Vince show up in the MCU somehow, somewhere. It's alongside Owen Wilson. Oh, man, who should he be? Wow. Oh, <laughs> you just gave me a new dream. You just granted me a new wish and a new dream. Vince and Owen, back together. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for that. Wow, who would he even be in the MCU? I don't know. Did you think... A wisecracking Mr. Fantastic? Like a really, really out of left field casting of Mr. Fantastic? I don't like that at all. I mean, did you really think Owen Wilson would be in the MCU? I didn't. No. So, I don't know. No. Maybe maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's just another time guy. (laughs) (laughs) I would be delighted. I would be delighted. Let him get, let him be a time guy, and let him get. What what do they call it? What hey, am I blanking? Is it partner? Is it purged? It's not purged. Cold. What is it when they get hit with that? They get hit with that uh, stick. Uh, they disintegrate into yeah, dust. Rats. That? Oh my goodness. Know. Anyway, that would be. I would. I would adore seeing Vince Vaughn in there. Maybe as a, maybe as a, uh, Shield agent associate. To Nick Fury. Now that would be fun watching Samuel L. Jackson he, and Vince Vaughn. Yeah, he could do that. Rib off each other. He could or do rib that. each other. Riff off each other. Excuse me. That would be. Or like he's in charge of like damage control or something. There's your spot right that there. That would be great. There's your spot. Yep. Yep. Got him, Vince Vaughn. MCU. Like, Let's go. Did you have to punch a hole in the wall? <laughs> like there's so many other things you had to punch a hole in that wall. Oh, we got it. <laughs> Riles, that's great stuff. Well done, per uh, usual. Outstanding work. Should we call it? I think we should. I wish we call it. I think that's a wrap. That's well, great. Per usual, follow us on the YouTube at JP and the Beanstalk. Uh, we are on all places you find podcasts. You bet. Whether that be Amazon, whether that be iTunes, whether that be Spotify, etc., etc., etc. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, folks. Appreciate it. Godspeed.